We'd like to thank all of you who have supported us thus far with your prayers, words of encouragement, and now your financial support. If you would like to support us with a monthly or one-time gift, please head over to thrivingintheTrenches.com support us page. And guys, we really do appreciate all of your help. Even our failures are such a gift. Further along you live this life, you realize how little you are, how little your efforts are, and how big God is. We are women encouraging and equipping women to universally and uniquely serve Christ in our feminine vocation. By embracing joy, laughter, freedom, and friendship, we are seeking to thrive in the trenches of our domestic churches. Welcome to Thriving in the Trenches podcast. This is Becky Carter. And this is Megan Schreiber. You're listening to episode number 48. And today's episode marks the beginning of our summer series where we take a look at some women that we've encountered that are really inspiring us. And today we have a very, very special guest joining us. Noelle Maring is joining us. Noelle is a freelance writer with a background in theater and philosophy. She and her husband, Adam, live in Ventura, California with their six children. Noelle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, ladies. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Noelle, we are so excited to get to have you on the podcast. And I would like to start out, just ask you to share a little bit, just a little tidbit about your story. We'll let you go in deeper later on in in the episode, but just a little bit about you, where are you from, and how did you get to this juncture in your life? So I grew up in Central Valley, Visalia, California. Um, I have one sister, a uh, family of four. Um, went to public school, uh, a raised Catholic, um, but sort of had a, you know, cultural drift of public school and, um, and then went on to an e- private evangelical small liberal arts college called Westmont, uh, where I sort of um, I guess the drift kind of came back to Christianity, but sort of an evangelical uh, way. And, um, and then, um, my father, who was always a really, uh, kind of idea oriented person in my life, just encouraging me to be a thinker and, um, philosopher, he sort of sensed what was happening and started taking me to, um, conferences, took me to a conference at Notre Dame and, um, Father Fessio conference. Anyway, and so I started sort of encountering what, um, different, you know, what the divide was and, um, ultimately came back to Catholicism. Met my husband at Westmont. He became a Catholic, Adam, and we have six children. That's my story in brief. Wow. So, Noelle, did you, <laughs> I like that. That's a, that's a good soundbite. Did you ever actually stop practicing Catholicism? I did. I, I think in high school, I was more or less still going to mass with my family, but I, it was a pretty, it was, it was a pretty removed part of my life. And, um, I wasn't making a real connection between that and how I was living. And then at Westmont, I spent a while actually not going to mass at all, probably a couple years. And I would go and I would visit my family. Um, and, and, uh, and I actually, yeah, I, 
I was, it was the first time I, I didn't really realize that there, how much of a divide there was or there could be between um, Protestantism and Catholicism. Not, you know, I mean, there's a lot of places where we're united, but, but my, I think my first or second week there, a couple of students found out I was Catholic and they were kind of telling me, you know, that, that, that wasn't why I shouldn't be. And then within, I think about 15 minutes, I had like 12, um, 18 year olds surrounding me telling me not to be Catholic. (laughs) Um, and that was sort of a formative moment because it sort of made me think, well, you know, this is what I'm connected to, you know, my background, but I don't want to just drift into it because it's been handed to me. And so is it true? Is it not true? And, And then sort of just kept those questions, um, in my mind throughout college. So, um, well, it's like it all of a sudden uh, places this seed of doubt. Like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean I shouldn't be Catholic? I mean, when you've been raised in an environment where everybody's Catholic and nobody has challenged that, you're like, I didn't know yeah. this was a problem. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and um, and, it, and, it, and I think ultimately it was a really good thing, positive thing for me. I think, you know, my dad actually will talk about how he— was filled with sort of trepidation that I was at an evangelical school and thought, you know, it's what if, you know, what am I doing? Is my daughter going to lose her faith? But actually he realized later that no, she's the type of person that it's probably the best for her to be confronted with different ideas and almost be like, I think I'm kind of comfortable being a minority. <laughs> you know, I've, um, I've, you know, so that, that, that experience of being a little other, um, I, has sort of, I don't know, been continued throughout my life just because I've just always had ideological differences with people very close to me. Um, and I think there's a part of me that thrives on that. And, you know, I like to think about things. No, I don't like to be comfortable in what I'm thinking. I like to be challenged and I, you know, to think about things from different way, in different ways and, and, and thereby strengthening, you know, what I ultimately see as being right. So... That's that's great. Well, just hearing that, and I'm thinking about some of the, I would say, the, the better-known pieces that you've recently written um, that have really gotten a lot of traction online. And I think it's exactly that experience of um, maybe, say, the conflict in the culture that has actually gifted you with this ability to, to write to the level that you write. So I know, you know you've had two, two pieces recently. Uh, one was on the Met Gala and uh, another was on Sex in the City. So, you know, it's pretty obvious that you're in touch with very relevant issues and a relevant topic and can really pull that back into uh, the treasures of the church. And so, you know, that's just something I'm witnessing, hearing a little bit more about your personal journey and then being familiar with the work that you've, that you've written. Uh, have you ever thought about it that way? Um just that dichotomy of being so comfortable in the yes. world you mean but also, mm-hmm. yeah oh certainly i think that um yeah i don't I, I i'm not easily shocked by anything so um and i i guess that can be a good thing or a bad thing but uh it enables me i guess to be pretty comfortable in you know i don't wall myself off in any meaningful way unless it's something that's obviously going to be to my spiritual detriment and obviously i stay away from that but um um yeah no i think that there's Uh, I'm interested in ideas, but I'm also interested in relationships. And so I've, I've always wanted to be able to thrive in relationships where there was disagreement because I've not always done it successfully and I've been pedantic or I've been polemical in the past, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes, and, um, and it's 
it's been, it's hindered relationships. And so I've always, so the art of how to disagree well and also present, you know, what I see as the most beautiful, true, and, you know, the beauty, beauty, truth, and goodness in a way that's compelling is very much a passion of mine. Sure. Well, I got to tell you, the way you say that, I think you should be the uh, consultant to the overall climate in our culture <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, that's a, I, I, I join you in that. That resonates with me. That that relationship piece is, is so critical, especially to not be afraid of the conflict. And you look at our culture today. You look at just every pocket that just seems to be turning uh, not only against each other, but turning in on itself. And, and yeah. you know, how do we even get to that point? Who knows? But the reality is, is that what's ultimately going to save all of that is always relationship-based. It's not another post on Facebook. It's not another, yeah. you know, really witty argument posted on Twitter. It's always going to come down to relationship. And uh, so I, I love hearing you say that. I think that's that's really beautiful and like thriving in the differences, you might you yeah. might need to really write a piece <laughs> for our whole world to read on that because I just don't know if uh, people are really hearing that. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I think in a way that 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 one concept is what what I always want to write about. <laughs> you know, in different ways. It's just it's just I'm writing about different you know things going on in the culture, um, different experiences I've had, but it's almost always animated on by a desire to. Um, yeah, have to be able to speak across lines, you know, um, and not just get, uh, yeah, not just, not just get snarky or, um, you know, or not just harden up, you know, harden your walls around yourself, you know? So. Well, I mean, for a conversation or for, for us to get anywhere, everybody has to be willing to listen to where the other person is coming from. And there's always a hurt that is driving them in their harshness or their inability to hear you. So really breaking down that wall by listening to them first. Yeah. 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 And it can feel overwhelming because there's almost a, um, there's like a knee jerk relativism that, that everyone's sort of just accepted because it's the air we breathe. Um, and so it just, it can feel as though it's so hard to get, you know, gain any ground just, um, in talking about an idea. I mean, if you have a need, you know, a, if your, your basis is utter relativism, then how do you discuss anything in a way? It's all just, you know, okay, well that's you and that's me and that's you and that's me. So there's no, you know, you don't have any common like universal to try to understand even on a natural level. So it just makes it, it can feel discouraging, but we cannot be discouraged, obviously, you know, and we just keep on, you know, trying to, I mean, so much of it is just our own personal struggles and overcoming our own, you know, like I used to think when I was younger that, you know, I could present truth to people and then, you know, I mean, this is my arrogance and of youth, but um, you just realize so much the further you go on the spiritual road that, you're really your first job is your sanctification, your personal whole, you know, that you're not going to be effective in any way if you are not like striving every single day to get a little bit closer to Christ um, and to get, you know, decrease, let yourself decrease, let him increase in you. And that's the most powerful 
way to reach people, obviously, you know, but it takes a while to realize that (laughs) you just think you can just serve up truth on a little platter and people are just going to jump for it. So it's not going to happen. No, it's, it's not. And it's always, you know, my, the listeners are probably tired of me saying this, but it is, it's always that heart to heart connection. I was thinking just very odd encounter that I had yesterday, uh, in a parking lot, I was waiting for uh, my son to finish up a sporting thing. And, this guy was trying to, he, he was looking for something, very, very long story short. It was just in that moment of uh, me saying, hey, are you, are you looking? Because he was trying to get into this building and I knew it was locked, but I knew when the people were coming back. And the next thing you know, we're, we end up talking for an hour. And he's oh. young. He was young, he, you know, like 22. And, uh, you know, I just, in that moment, was able to just kind of want, I just wanted to hear his heart, whatever yeah. it was. And, you know, what I end up hearing is, you know, he, he said something like, well, I wish my parents listened the way you did or something. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I wanted to cry. And I was like, well, if you were my son, here's kind of what I would say in that situation. Like, how did we even get to that? I think he just needed somebody to listen is really what it was. And, uh, as we were wrapping up, like I kind of, you know, put my hand out to be like, Hey, great meeting you. And he just threw his arms around me. (laughs) And I thought, oh, I could say to him was God bless you. You know, it's all, it's all going to work out. And, um, you know, sometimes you drive away and you think like, could I have said more? Could I have done more? You know what? All he think, maybe all he really needed in that moment was just somebody to listen and to, um, I don't know, encourage him in in that. Right. And be a loving presence for sure. Yes. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, that's, that's such a good point that you bring up because, we can have these great moments of inspired truth that we can that we can deliver on a platter, as you say, or you know, write a, an incredible, incredible article, which is a gift to be able to do that. But if it doesn't lead to a heart to heart conversation and the dignity of the person, then what have we really accomplished? It was like I know Noel. Uh, we we're blessed to know Noel uh, through Helena Daly. Um, she's been a leader with Helena Daly from the beginning. And, you know, I think I had said something to you about why I'm not a fan of social media, because it becomes just rhetoric without humanity. And that's been really damaging for me uh, as a person. Not not that anybody has said anything. Well, that's happened too. But that's not where (laughs) the damage to my heart has come from. It's more of what my heart can do in reading something, right? So I might be reading something that is just this rhetoric, and now I'm growing in disdain towards this particular person who's writing this because our beliefs don't align. But the reality is, is if I sat with them and we got to know each other, I'm going to guess that there would be that element of humanity where we could find something, something that we agree on. And maybe it's the nice weather, but when yeah. we don't have that string to be able to draw each other together, I guess it's no wonder why our 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 country's like this. We've yeah, we've built this safety net around ourselves via the internet that we can kind of say things and I don't know. I just that yeah, that yeah. rhetoric without humanity is will, will be the downfall of a culture. Absolutely, I love the way I love that phrase, rhetoric without humanity. That's such a good. It really encapsulates it. And I feel like that, um, you know, one of the things we can do, because I struggle the same in the same way that, you know, I, I, it, when I see, you know, really harsh opinions are thrown out on social media without consideration for 
what, you know, giving the worst possible spin on the other person's viewpoint, you know, that's the thing that kind of will really aggravates me is that everyone's present or not everyone, but oftentimes people are presenting another person's argument in the worst possible light with evil motivations. Um, but it also reminds me to, you know, to really strive and to never do that (laughs) because it is, it does feel it's so off putting and it, and it, it make it makes you, you know, feel resentment and, you know, it's, it's bad for both people. It's bad for both the deliverer and bad for the hearer. Um, and so how can we avoid that? And, um, it's interesting. I thought about writing about this, but the, I, 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 it sounds kind of like a weird idea, but I, I really feel like the rules of logic are increase your charity because mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, the most fallacies, you know, fallacies and argument are, are very uncharitable. You know, they're either attacking the person or they're undermining the person's argument or they're misrepresenting the person and they're not hearing the, per- you know, they're all, they all are sort of rooted in what will consider, um, you know, your interlocutor in the best possible light and also strengthen yourself too, as a thinker. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a win-win, you know, you want to give the best, um, understand, really understand the other person and you want to do that for them and you want them to do that for yourself as well. So, um, yeah. Well, I'd love to encourage you to write a piece on that because I think that is a, a critical piece. And, you know, we see it in so many different ways. And you think, gosh, if we've resorted to um, just tearing down that person based on how they look, because they've, their beliefs don't align with your beliefs. I mean, it's it's just so sad. So yeah. and, and, you know, and, and both um, ends, both sides, I don't want to make this a political issue, but because that's just the climate that we're living in, every, everybody's been guilty of it. And that's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. And so we can't say, well, this side always does it and this side always, does it. I mean, I've seen it. It's just, it, it's just ugly. It's, it's ugly. It's, and it is, both. it is, it's, it's not a one side or the other, both mm-hmm. sides do it. Right. Right. So, and I, and I think really at the heart of it, um, People do want to have logical arguments. I can't imagine there's somebody that's like, no, I want to be an idiot. I want to lose my cool (laughs) and I want to just, I want to hit below the belt. Like that's what I'm aspiring to. Nobody sets out to do that. I really don't think that. I mean, I genuinely think people are good. I don't think that they're, they're setting out to do that. I think emotions get so high that that's what ends up happening. It's like, you know, if you're a parent and you've, ever lost it on one of your kids, right? Mm-hmm. You know how mm-hmm. you feel? Mm-hmm. You go in the room like, what? Oh my gosh, how did I just become a two-year-old? What yeah. just happened? Yeah. Right now, of course, we can go back and say, oh, you know, to your 11-year-old, I'm sorry, I, I like, please forgive me. I lost, I, I lost it, you know? And of course, kids are like, it's okay, mom, I know, you, you, whatever. Um, but we don't get to do that in the public eye. You know, we don't yeah. get to circle back and say, Hey, look, I'm sorry. I really shot below the belt. You just can't. They just yeah. think, right? So I encourage you to write that article on logic. <laughs> I would love to read it. And I'm sure knowing the success that you've had uh, as of late, that it would it would uh, hit a lot of outlets and be well received. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank great. you. Yeah, I think I, I, I probably will at some point. So thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would like to take it back a little bit into um, your kind of reversion, conversion, there are a couple of things, a couple of questions, and I'm going to ask them first so that I remember them. (laughs) And you just answered them when I died. But um, the first thing is, do you remember a defining moment where 
the faith of your childhood, like that seed, you felt, you felt it grow again. And like, there was this weird attraction, like, I've got to go back and see what that was. And so that's my first question. And then the second question is going to be about just your daily life and seeking holiness. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the first one, I, there are actually two that stand out in my mind. One was, um, I lived in this really neat span, old Spanish style house with a bunch of girls after uh, my sophomore year of college, great dear friends. And, um, and we were just really, you know, living our lives in whatever way without much, um, intentional, you know, connection between our faith and the way we lived. But, um, but these girls were, you know, had some, you know, past history of, you know, just real devotion to Jesus. And, um, and so we had a, one of them decided, a dear friend of mine decided to have, we should have a Bible study as, as roommates. And so we all brought out our Bibles and theirs were all, you know, these dog-eared and underlined and highlighted, very, <laughs> very evangelical worked through Bibles. And mine was the Douay Reams, like two volume annotated, enormous Catholic <laughs> Bible <laughs> that my dad had given me and um, barely cracked. <laughs> so, um, so we brought it out and we just started doing a Bible study. And I remember, remember thinking reading gospel, and I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but I remember thinking and saying that night, if this is what we believe, like, do we really believe this? If we really believe this, why do we live not according to it? You know, what What are we doing? Why aren't we making this connection? And um, I'm sure it sounded sort of, you know, bizarre because I was, you know, the newest to sort of, you know, intentional Bible study type environments, and here I am, you know, judging us all. <laughs> but, um, but it did for me, for me, you know, and, um, uh, I don't know about for them, but for me, it's sort of maybe just start thinking about how am I living and what is true? Um, and I was a philosophy major, so I was, you know, I was, you know, kind of encountering those questions a lot. And, and then, um, I think I mentioned it before my dad, I think out of concern of what was happening with my faith. Um, he started, he took me to a, a a couple conferences and one in particular, there were just all these incredible speakers and, um, and being father Fessio was there and Ronald MacArthur has passed away. He started Thomas Queens college, just powerhouse thinkers. Um, and it was, they presented such a compelling philosophic argument and, and also theological arguments for the truth of the faith. And then afterwards there was mass and we, I was up there with my dad and I realized on the way up to communion or praying right before communion that I was not able to receive. I hadn't been going to mass. I hadn't been living in Catholic life. And I was so struck by having separated myself, you know, and that in that separation, I learned, I yearned for, um, to be united um, and I was, and I cried and I was ashamed because I didn't want my, no, you know, my dad was seeing, I was going through all this turmoil and he was, he was very respectful and not, you know, he didn't prod me about how I was living my life or, you know, mm-hmm. he let me have some, um, adult independence. And, um, so I don't even know to this day if he knew any of that, but, um, but yeah, but it was a, it felt like a turning point. I remember coming back and talking to Adam and Adam and I were boyfriend and girlfriend at this point. And um, just telling him, you know, that I think that, you know, this is where I'm, my life is going to go is back to, into the Catholic Church. And I think that, I'm, you know, I'm going to need to have a Catholic family mm-hmm. and a Catholic 
husband. And so, and I ended up, this sounds, people, I think this sound, can sound strange, but if you know Adam, it does, it really wasn't strange, but I ended up giving him sort of an ultimatum because we were fairly serious at that, that point. And I said, I think that for the next, over the next six months, if you could just start reading, meet with a priest, you know, just start do, reading apologetics, whatever you want to, avenue you want to take, but you need to figure out if you think that this is true. And I need to figure out within, like, I don't want to keep going beyond maybe another six months. You know, just that mm-hmm. can be the, our window for you searching. So I kind of gave him an ultimatum um, about breaking up. <laughs> and, but the reason I did it is because I knew he's a, he is, uh, I mean, you know, he, he and I were living similar lives at that point, and he was not super devoted to his faith either. But I knew he would never have a false um, conversion. He would never ent- enter into the church just to appease me or just to not lose me, that he would not, you know, it wouldn't, he, he wouldn't, he, he would hold, he has so much integrity about his faith that he would have to do what he believed to be right, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Um, so, yeah, and since he's since lapped me, he's <laughs> more fantastic Catholic than I am. <laughs> That's awesome. And so how old were you? You, you were in college, so 20, 21? Yeah, I think, yeah, probably about 20 around, yeah, 20, 20 years old, maybe 21, somewhere around there. Gosh, yeah. wow. I, I love yeah. hearing, Becky, that's a great question, because I love hearing that story and that input. And, and, and the fact is, your dad was, like, way ahead of things, um, you know, kind of looking and seeing, and maybe we'll go here, but not pressing too much, like giving you the banquet, but not forcing you to go take a second plate, you know, of food. And I think that's just such a neat way to, um, I'm, I'm sure he had moments where he was a little bit stronger, um, but but still gave you that freedom because I'm sure there was just such a great trust in God the Father um, of where you where you were going. And I'm sure he never stopped praying either. Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah, both my parents just did a great job of giving me Right, exactly that. Some, some, some freedom, but also some guidance. So, yeah, I think they walk that line very well, for sure. That's the beauty of our faith, you know. When when you believe and you understand what the grace of God is and how it works, I know it's very mystical. But what I'm saying, our what our part is in someone else's salvation, there is the freedom to let go and to let that person walk that journey with the Lord, because we know the Lord is pursuing them. We know the Lord is, is, is offering the grace and we just need to stand alongside that person and love them (laughs) and love them along the way and be a good example. Like you mentioned earlier that I want to wrap back around to is living that holy life. They see the joy, they feel the joy And they want to know what is wrong with you that you could be that joyful or how can you suffer like that? I don't understand. So our lives really are a witness and they are what pull people into the loving father's arms and frankly, into Catholicism, which is the bark of salvation. This is where the gifts of grace, the sacraments are housed and, and without it, they're there is no salvation. So, um, so can we pull that into, well, you've said your husband's lapped you already in your Catholic faith, which I 
you know, like Megan said earlier, I hear you talk on a regular basis daily, let's just say. And I know that that's not, that can't be true (laughs) because I hear little bits and pieces of your faith journey and it's beautiful in it. And it inspires me. You probably don't know that, but, um, but anyway, yeah. Can you share what is it about your faith journey where you are now that, I don't know, what is, what is what that drives you to holiness? Um, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, well, Adam's and my, our, our journeys are in many ways kind of opposite, but complementary. Like he is a extremely disciplined person. So I guess when I say, I say that he lapped me, I, he's just, um, he's so good at being disciplined. So, um, his prayer life is amazing and inspiring. And, you know, he's, he'll, he'll be horrified of me even mentioning it. Sorry. I don't (laughs) want to go too into too depth, but he for years has just been on, I mean, he's, the man is on his knees, just Mm. connecting, you know, with our Lord and, you know, and just, when, even when he feels nothing, you know, he's, he's there, he shows up, he does the right thing when nobody's looking mm. always. So he's just an extremely inspiring person for me in that way. And I am not a very disciplined person. Mm. I'm a very, um, emotionally driven person, which, um, which can be, you know, I can have, um, you know, especially when I'm sort of going through something either high or low, you know, I can, my prayer life can feel super consoling and intense and, I feel, you know, I can cry in front of the crucifix. And, you know, I, I have all these cons- like consolations, but in a way it's sort of childlike, right? Because um, unless you have that um, regular discipline and I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm getting better, you know, I'm um, so I'm, I'm trying to, I just what So the thing I'm focusing on right now is just really having an order to my day. So um, I, you know, I'm, you know, trying to go to mass every day, wrote the rosary every day, do mental prayer, um, try to visit the blessed sacrament at a separate time, uh, try to do spiritual reading, you know, so there's just all these little opportunities that church gives us to sort of, you know, walk us through. And, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking the other day, it's kind of ironic because I think non-Catholics might look at that and be like, oh, you know, you're working for your salvation or, you know, you have to do all these things. And, and yeah, there's a possibility that it can become a rote, Thing, but it's also, it's also just us showing up and then letting grace do the rest. You know that it's a reliance on grace because, you know, the church gives you all of these this path, right? Like this path of sacraments and this path where, of devotion and, you know, all these things that you can kind of just jump from stone to stone and it can, you know, keep you afloat. Um, and for me, and the further along, you know, you older you get and the further along you live this life, you realize how little you are, how little your efforts are and how big God is. Right. I mean, we, and, and it's a gift. We see that gift in so many ways. Even our failures are such a gift. I've been meditating on that a lot lately that, you know, our inadequacies or, you know, when, if you're struggling with a sin or if you, um, are trying to, you know, baby step your way into a new discipline in your, your spiritual life to order your day better and you can't do it or you keep failing or you keep your laziness kicks in or, you know, whatever it is that it's another opportunity just to be small and just to feel how much you need God, you know, just to really feel that and to know that and to be seen, like shown that is uh, such a gift. 
Wow. That is like hugely inspiring. And I have to say that when you were talking about Adam, I was like getting choked up. Oh, I would yeah, too. <laughs> I, yeah, because it's like, you know, that there is, there. what a power in the witness, even the silent witness, right? You know, just to observe just that commitment. Um, so, you know, for any of our men listeners, like we notice and for yeah. our, our, our listeners to encourage their husbands. I mean, if you, if you have, have a husband who's like that, like, um, I just don't know if we do that enough to just really let them know that they do inspire us and it's their steadfast commitment that, um, you know, that helps us too. at, uh, especially, you know, if we're in a dry spot. So, you know, we, we, we talk about encouraging, uh, women encouraging women, but we hope that um, as wives, they can encourage their spouses too for all the great gifts that they bring, you know, into our marriage, in our family life, and, um, and into our spiritual walk. Yeah, I think they need encouragement. And they don't, they don't show that they need it the way we do as much, you know, <laughs> speaking mm-hmm. broadly, but, um, but I think that they, yeah, they absolutely need that. Oh, there's no doubt. They're getting beat up out there, and the world is filling their head with everything that goes against what the Lord is calling us to do. And, and yeah, I'm sure. And then they come home and we're all naggy and whining. I mean, like the kids are all whining. And yeah, I was naggy. like, speak for yourself, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> the day was so hard. Everybody whining. Yeah. I mean, just, um, I, I do look at my husband's day and I just, Wow, what a burden. What it, he's carrying something heavy, but I, you know, Megan has said it before. That is who God created him to be, which means God will grace him to do. Yeah. And so, but we are called to be their helper and to pray and to praise them for for what they're doing. So, yeah, I remember um, when my kids were little, just having a, a epiphany about that when it was, you know, it, it's pretty overwhelming just having a lot of little kids and you're nursing and, or you're pregnant and you've got a toddler and everyone's screaming and you're trying to make dinner. You know, it's just, everyone knows it's just overwhelming. And he would come home and I was so absorbed in my own stress and my own feeling of being overwhelmed that, yeah, that I just would be complaining and negative and and I don't remember why, but at one point I just imagined what it was like to walk, for him to walk. If I were him and I was walking into the door to the what I what the way I was, you know, welcoming him, and what that would feel like. And I just thought, gosh, that just would feel awful. It would just feel awful. And why am I doing? Why am I being the place that is going to be awful for him to come home to? You know, and and he wasn't complaining, but I was. I was certainly doing that. And I, I, anyway, it was just a, one of those little mind shifts where I just was able to get out of myself, hmm. uh, you know, and look at it from the other person's perspective. Yeah, that's such a gift. And it's such, it, it, they're so profound, right? And it's about shifting, our, like you said, a mind shift, right? Just not yeah. thinking about ourselves. We all know exactly that. We've all had those. And now I want to guard myself to not slip into those places, you know, because they are working so hard for our family. Uh, I, you know, I joked before, I used to get so mad when my husband traveled all the time, all the time, because I thought he was like, you know, maid service and out to dinners and like, you know, and here he was just as miserable. He's like, I don't sleep well I, you know, yeah. when I'm on the road. And it's like, as soon as I heard, I was like, oh, wait, 
traveling's not fun for you? Oh, you know, yeah. You're like, no. I mean, there's, there's, they didn't, they didn't, he didn't want to be away from the kids. He missed the whole dynamic of coming home and seeing the kids too. So yes, as soon as we can step out of ourselves, it changes the perspective um, for us. And that's getting back to that humanity piece, why we always have to have those heart to heart connections. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you never want to, we're, we're never, it's never a good idea to be comparing, you know, that we all, we all slip into that, but yeah, that's not, um, it's just not, it's not what love does, right? Love is, um, is not kind of begrudging the other person or, you know, you know I mean, all mm-hmm. these things like, right. Mm-hmm. All these little lessons that take, it just, you just takes time to learn them. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for your words of wisdom. Thank you for, um, being a really beautiful example of writing truth and, and you can do it without bringing in God and the church, which is a talent. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I've told you that before. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, you are well-educated, well-articulated, and we are really privileged to have you not only on as a, as a teammate with Helena Daly, but we are also very blessed to have you on our podcast now. And I feel like I get to call you friend. So um, may God continue to bless your ministry, whether you realize it or not. You are serving the body of Christ with, um, you're extending the grace that has been extended to you. You're extending the mercy that has been extended to you. So, um, thank you. Thank you so much, ladies. I, you know, and I've been so honored to get to know you both and I'm very inspired by both of you. So I'm super glad that we've been able to become friends and also partners and working together. So this has been great. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for joining us this week. You can also find us on Breadbox Media, which is a new platform with other Catholic podcast, and you can visit our support page. Thank you all for joining us this week. We're so grateful for all of you with us in the trenches. You can also find show notes on thrivinginthetrenches.com. Please subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you can join the conversation. Thanks for coming. Oh.